Hey guys, it's Jessica. And this is Kendra. And you're listening to Lucid, Lucid Lab. Lab. I am already ready for the school year to be over. It's only been like two weeks since, <laughs> since I had to <laughs> start taking back. her back to school. I already felt like I did this for way too long already. Mm-hmm. And I have an entire other half of the year yes. to do this whole back and forth. And I'm already done. <laughs> well, my 17 year old is ready to be done, too, because like with this new semester, they don't have any fun classes. Oh, no. Like usually they have like art yeah. and everything. So this semester, it's all, you know, math, science, history. And I think they're ready to be done, too. So oh, I have no. to like keep motivating them every day. Like it's not so bad. <laughs> But I get it. I have to motivate myself probably every day to go to work. (laughs) And just work is rough lately. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Well, I was just telling you, like, I woke up this morning and it's the worst way to wake up. I woke up at 6 a.m. It's a Sunday. So I should have been sleeping until 9. But like my brain will not fucking stop because I have so much going on. Mm -hmm. We're just too busy. Yeah, we are. We as in not just me and Jessica, but like we as yeah, US we're always doing something. American citizens, we do too much There's compared no to other countries. Like we are just always go, go, go. I don't like it. It's because it's all about the American dream. That's such bullshit. Throw it yep. away now. That doesn't work hard exist. And, <laughs> yeah, just work hard and everything's going to work out. Well, we all know that's not true anymore. Right? That was great for our parents' generation. But our generation, we're working harder than ever. We are. And we're not getting ahead. And we all feel it. That's why we're doing this podcast once again to try and yeah, make our and lives less crazy. Right now it's making our lives more crazy. It is. <laughs> so you woke up at 6 a.m. But I didn't actually try and close my eyes to like 4.30 a.m. Because I was trying to finish editing an episode that's right. about to come out. And it was my only time to do it. And I'm like, wow, I don't get to sleep. And here uh-huh. we are a few hours <laughs> later. <laughs> yes. I'll die later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sleep when we're dead. Isn't that what they say? Yeah. Like, I feel like I feel that because like I did get up at 6 a.m. But I didn't go to bed last night till 1245 a.m. Mm-hmm. So I should have been able to sleep in. And once again, I couldn't go to mm-hmm. sleep because my brain is yeah. racing. There's too much. Anyways, we'll stop complaining. I did get to do one thing this weekend for myself. So for Christmas, I got a gift card to a spa from my wonderful boss. That's nice. I complain about work, but I will say I have the best boss ever. It's nice to have girl bosses that are nice. Yeah, she's amazing. (laughs) And she gave me a gift card and I went and did something for myself I haven't done probably in like five years. Honestly, I got Mm. my nails done. I got like the gel nails and manicure and I'm feeling fancy now, but... They're short. She's not the... No, it's not like the artistic. It's very (laughs) natural. I remember now how great it is to have that done, but it's expensive. I don't know. These women who have beautiful nails all the time, I admire them, but that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money and... And time. I don't get to do it enough, but when I can do that for myself, then I feel like a human being. I was thinking that I was like, I need to just get everything together and plan like an hour for myself once a week and not once a week. I can't do it once a week, once a month (laughs) and maybe start doing it myself too, because I actually have all the gel, the little UV lamp and everything and all of that that I bought years ago. I used it twice. I think I bought a really cheap version at one point. (laughs) I think I tried to use it once and then didn't really again because my nail beds were burning and I'm like this doesn't feel right I'm gonna stop probably not healthy (laughs) we try to find some self-care where we can and everyone should and I'm trying to that was one of my things at the beginning of this year is I do need to slow down and me and Drew talked about we need to find something like that we love about every single day oh yeah yep 
And I know that sounds, I guess I'm getting woo again. We haven't brought that <laughs> in a while, but yeah, it is true. There is something positive in every single day to make us thankful. Yep. And so I'm trying to do that. I'm not quite to the point of doing like a gratitude journal or anything like that because I can't follow through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is like just being aware yeah. of just something small. It could be a cup of tea that I really enjoy or a sunset. I have been trying to be more aware of that myself. I think when I was on my recent road trip, you know, there were just moments where things were iffy because I was actually driving yeah, during part drive. of a snowstorm too. Oh, shoot. And so I just kept saying thank you like to the <laughs> universe too. But I'm like, thank you because I made it through this area because you never know what's going to happen. And I'll give a little teaser into the next episode, you know. Every decision, everything we do affects everything. And we're going to talk about that. But I think yeah. after starting my research on what will be my next topic, I am just back in that mindset where we do need to be grateful and we do need to be more aware and more present. We get caught up in bullshit, <laughs> bullshit and the bustle and hustle of life. Yep. And the next thing you know, a month is gone and that's a month of our life. If we're not enjoying something every day, like what are we even doing it? What all are we for? doing it for? I mean, I enjoy what we're doing. I enjoy the days we get to record mm -hmm. and even the research and things that go yeah. into it. Like that is something that brings good things into my life. Although it brings extra work. It's like work I enjoy. Yeah. Gosh darn it. If we could just do this full time. Yep. We can't yet. If we did this full time, life would be quite grand. Yes. If we made money off of it. <laughs> and we will one day. I believe in us. Anything you guys can do to help us, we bring it up at the end of every episode, but I'll put a shameless plug in here now. Please, <laughs> please go on. Ratings help us so much. It's, yes. It's the one thing you can do to help us get visibility and grow this community is just leave a rating, especially on if you listen through Apple Podcast. I know that you can leave star ratings and also comments. And then Spotify also takes stars as well. And then we love all the comments coming through YouTube. Keep those yeah. up. And regardless of what you might think, we've actually been having some fun reading the spicy comments on YouTube. <laughs> some people come out of the woodworks on bigger cases and we're like, wow, we haven't seen this yet, but it's there been was interesting. Yeah, there was one comment I think I wanted to bring up on here is that we've heard from a couple of people that you guys feel like we laugh oh, yeah. inappropriately. And maybe we do, but understand that we're sitting here for hours on end mm -hmm. and we're trying to keep it light. We know we're talking about dark matter. Is that? Uh, yeah, dark We're talking matter. about dark matter. Sometimes it's <laughs> dark matter or dark matters. We are just two friends here discussing these cases. We are never taking lightly what happened to no. the victims. If we're talking about the assholes that did these things to yeah, the victims. Yeah, we might laugh at them because yes. they deserve some they're ridiculous. They're ridiculous people. They've done ridiculous, horrible yeah. things. And we are never going to be Dateline. We're never going to be 2020. No. We are not journalists. We're not paid journalists either. <laughs> no. I mean, we're a podcast. Yep. And we're not paid by Wondery to sit down and do this magical no laughing episode that they created. We yep. did all this. We're not laughing ever at the victims or anything that's going on. And I think if you actually listen through all the episodes, you'll, you'll see that. understand yes. who we are and what we really care about. And sometimes laughter is nervous laughter because the shit is dark. Right. And we could either cry, which I don't think you want to hear coming <laughs> through a microphone, or yeah. we have a little giggle. So, And the one thing we do take very seriously is our research. Mm -hmm. And so we fact check everything that we do. We look at multiple sources. We're not going to get it 100% right. No journalist out there ever does, honestly. Right. But we are doing 
our due diligence. We feel like we are. So if we do have something that's like grossly incorrect, sure, send us an email. But yeah, there's a lot of people who are like, wow, you're wrong. I'm like, but what book did you read? Because we read them all. And then we compare. Yep. You know, there's a difference between you believing one source and just completely discrediting another source. Right. Versus looking at them all and seeing where these discrepancies are. Sometimes we can't look at all of them because there's a hundred. With the bigger cases. But a lot yes. of things you can narrow down to a consensus. Sometimes we don't agree with a consensus. True. So this is also our opportunity to have an opinion. Yep. It's an opinion. We're not claiming to be experts, as sometimes <laughs> people say. No. I think we've said that a million times. But yeah. anyway, we love your comments. Yeah, keep them coming. And just don't be assholes. I think we've been <laughs> saying that since the beginning, too. Some people are just freaking assholes. We man. can handle criticism. Just be respectful. Yeah, because you're ruining it for someone who actually might enjoy, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So we'll get off our soapbox now and yeah. maybe move into, I guess, what I want to talk about today. Yes, I have no idea what she's doing today because <laughs> she was supposed to be doing something else. And she's like, um, I changed it. Yeah, sometimes I just sneak it on the calendar and don't even tell Jessica. I just <laughs> changed my subject because I decided what I was working on was going to take a few more weeks to really right. get put together. So I just pushed ahead the one I had already been researching. Yeah. Which is another true crime. I feel like I've done a lot of true crime lately and I was going to try and do something different, but I'm back to my happy place, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Today I'm going to be bringing the case and this one I don't think is very well known of Kate Pusey. I've never heard of it. I could only find one podcast that has done this. Interesting. So it did happen in 2009. So it's a pretty recent case. On March 14th of 2009, 24-year-old American citizen Kate Pusey was found murdered on her front porch while serving in the Peace Corps in the village of Bajude in the northwest African country of Benin. Oh, okay. Kate had been there for almost two years, and she only had three months left before she would have completed her service and returned to the United States. Her parents lived in Georgia, and that was where she was planning to return to. Okay. The murder sent a shockwave through the world and brought up many questions around the safety of young Americans serving the Peace Corps organization. Right. Peace. As more information came out around the circumstances of her death and how the Peace Corps leadership responded, it would bring up even more questions about policies within the organization. Mm -hmm. It would later be revealed that Kate had been a whistleblower about sexual assault happening within her village by none other than another member of the Peace Corps. Oh, gosh. And you hear this so much, right? I remember seeing just different people coming on TikTok and they're like, I have to record this. I have to let you guys know what's happening because if something happens to me, you guys know. And that sucks that you have to create documentation for the world to see. Right. Just so that people know what actually happened to you because they're just going to cover it up. I think a lot of that happened in this case. And we're going to I don't know much about the Peace Corps. So when I was researching this, I am going to talk quite a bit about the organization. Okay, because I think it's very interesting. And that's what we do here is we're trying to stay lucid or become aware of things. And there's some stuff going on in the Peace Corps I didn't realize. And I hate because I've always like looked up and thought, oh, my God, if you're in the Peace Corps, like 
that's a great organization. You're doing good things. And I do believe people going in there have very good intentions, but maybe there's some things going on in leadership that are not so wonderful. And we're going to see a dark side. Just like there is with any organization. I never had one opinion or another on the Peace Corps. Most of what I know I've seen in movies, right? to be honest, or just know of people who have done it participated Mm -hmm. but yeah any organization it doesn't matter nonprofit especially some of those people can be quite (laughs) cutthroat literally in this case oh no I hope not really damn it the fallout was significant the story receiving national media attention in both Benin and the United States President Barack Obama as well as Beninese President Thomas Yeye Boney each gave press conferences concerning the crime and each received Kate's family for private visits The Peace Corps office in Benin was criticized for its mismanagement of Kate's theoretically anonymous complaints prior to her murder and of the agency's insensitive methods of dealing with family and friends after her death. And we'll go into all of these details later. Okay. Returned and current Peace Corps volunteers all over the world were shocked by this tragedy. Those who served in Benin were distraught for the Puzi family, and they were also in disbelief that such an event could have happened in their beloved host country because... It was famous for being a champion for peace and democracy in an otherwise troubled region. Yeah. They were kind of like the light on the hill in that part of Africa. They are. And we'll talk more about Benin and where that region is, but it's near like Nigeria. It's northwest Africa. Okay. Not a lot of good things were coming out of there at the time, but Benin was really getting it together. And then they got publicity for a 24 year old American citizen being murdered there. Oh, geez. So let's dive deeper into what happened in this case and where things are today. It's been now 15 years since Kate's death. You know, when you said the year originally, it felt like yesterday. And <laughs> it's not. That's 15 crazy. 15 years ago. That's wow. when I moved to Colorado was 2009. Wow. So let's talk about Kate. So her name was Catherine Puzzi. She was born in Augsburg, Germany on June 19th, 1984. So she's a fellow Gemini. And I was also born in Germany. So I already yep. can relate with this. And she's between our ages. Yes. She went by Kate, even though her name was Catherine. Although later we'll find out she was lovingly referred to as Catherine by people who knew her well. You grow up. Yes. <laughs> really interesting thing about Kate is that her parents were teachers that went overseas. So they were American citizens, but they were teaching in Germany and they were in a program where they went around and taught in various countries throughout the world to teach English to non-English speakers. That's so really cool. was already born into this family that was out there benevolently doing things in right. the world. So it's no surprise that she would end up in the Peace Corps. No, it really isn't. Her parents were Lois and Harry. Her dad was dedicated specifically to helping children with special needs. Oh. So he's, there's so many great things said about Harry when I was researching this. And just sounds like she came from a very solid background of wanting to help others. Right. When she was nine years old, her family moved to Okinawa, Japan, where Kate lived until she graduated from high school. From an early age, she was just known as being a very caring person. She just had one of those spirits about her. To be able to fit into so many different cultures and to move around the world, you truly have to be this compassionate, human level type of person. And she was learning it from her parents. It was just part of who she was. In high school, she was elected as student body president both her junior and senior year. And then she graduated at top of her class. She was salutatorian. 
Okay. Even in high school, she was already becoming an outspoken advocate for especially women's rights. And that's amazing because she had that worldwide experience. Mm -hmm. Here, you and I at that age, we were... We had no idea. So (laughs) ignorant of everything else going on in the world until recently as we've talked and starting this podcast. So as a teenager already doing that, it blows my mind. Then you see someone who's like actually being an advocate for people at such a young age. And you're like, wow, you're way beyond your time. Because she was raised with parents that were already doing that kind of work. I'm sure she heard more about that at like the dinner table. And we weren't hearing that. I mean, at three, she probably understood more than I did at 18. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So her uncle, David Benson of Cumming, Georgia, said that Kate was a phenomenal kid who was committed to making a difference in the world. Another uncle, Gordon Benson, said she had excellent people skills and just was always reaching out to others, making sure that they felt included. He said when she was a little girl, you would be astounded by the wisdom she seemed to have just about people. She was like very intuitive. So after graduating from high school in Okinawa, she did come back to the States and she attended the College of William and Mary and she majored in sociology with a minor in business. During college, she was working with underprivileged children that were in the area. So she continued that work. She studied abroad her junior year at the University of Montpellier in France. She became completely fluent in French, which ah. I'm jealous of. <laughs> I mean, I took French throughout all of college, but I lost yeah. a lot of it because I never if you don't ended use up it. going and using it. Mm-hmm. I took it. it in high school. Kate's compassionate spirit that just was part of who she was led her to dedicate much of her life towards working on behalf of others. She volunteered for the International Rescue Committee upon graduating, and then she finally joined the Peace Corps in 2007. She wanted to go and help in undeveloped and underprivileged areas, but she was especially strong advocate for women who she saw as the underdog in so many parts of the world. Mm-hmm. She was what I would say you would call a global citizen because she was only alive for 24 years. But during that time, she traveled extensively all over the world. She'd been to the UK, Indonesia, Italy, Ghana, Greece, Korea, Malaysia, Mexico, Morocco, Hong Kong, Spain, and Thailand. So France. she had been everywhere. Yes. And France, which I already mentioned. Japan. I know I'm bringing up the ones yeah, you didn't that's list where she out. Le- and Germany. <laughs> I guess these are all the places she traveled other After. than where she grew yeah. up or went to school. And we're here wondering if we can make it to every state. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's all I can do. That's all I can promise. <laughs> I'm nowhere near close. I'll tell you that. And on top of being all these other wonderful things, she was also a very gifted writer. And so she spent much of her time writing descriptions of her travels. She ran a blog. And this Aww. was back in the times when blogs were huge. Yeah. She began it just to allow her family and friends to kind of know where she was and mm. live through her vicariously. And then she continued that on as she joined the Peace Corps. She was also a talented photographer, so she captured many pictures, and I will have some of the images that she took while she traveled on our Instagram. So at the end of the day, Kate Pusey was, she was just amazing. A one of a kind, amazing woman and girl. It started from a young age. She was wise beyond her years. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it. And she was also adventurous. She was open-minded. She was ready to go out there because you have to be to join the Peace Corps. You don't even know when you join the Peace Corps where you're going to be set. I think that just shows who she is right off the bat. She had this entire life of travel. She could do whatever, get sucked into what ever and enjoy different luxuries in so many different places. And even after all of that and all her travels, she decides to join the Peace Corps. Right. Which you don't make any money. We'll talk more about the Peace Corps 
and she's graduated from college at this point. I didn't see what she did. I'm assuming after she was salutatorian that she probably did very well in college and could have gotten a really good paying job. Anywhere, probably. And she chose to go into the Peace Corps instead. Her father, Harry Pusey, said of his daughter that she was just a beacon of light for everybody. He said everybody loved Kate. She was so good at getting other people to come together and work together, and she gave to others. That's what really drew her to the Peace Corps. Her final aspiration was to pursue a career in nonprofit management, likely in the area of international development, specifically for the advocacy on behalf of women and children. It makes a lot of sense because that's where you can actually make a difference. Mm hmm especially with what she's done her whole life already. Unfortunately, she would not get to fulfill that plan. So she joined the Peace Corps in 2007. She was assigned to teach English in the West African nation of Benin in the small rural village of Bajude. As she prepared to go off for her two-year assignment, she started a blog, and it's actually still live today. I went and read many of her entries. The blog is called Being in Benin, and she shared her time living in the village and teaching the children. There's many pictures, and her very first blog, she shows images of her bags being packed for the two years and her excitement to start the adventure she laid out everything and she's like how do I even prepare for packing for two years in Africa you don't you just move (laughs) (laughs) but she was going to an area where you wouldn't be able to just get basic necessities gotcha so let's talk a little bit more about the Peace Corps before I go into more of her time there and why they were even in the Benin region to begin with okay I know I've always heard about the Peace Corps like I said but honestly I didn't know much about the history or even how it came to be yeah me either like I didn't know if it was a government organization if it was a nonprofit, any of that and turns out it actually did start as a government organization Interesting. Okay. I went to the Peace Corps website just to pull down like what their actual mission is in the world. And it is to promote world peace and friendship by fulfilling three goals. Number one, to help the countries interested in meeting their need for trained people. The Peace Corps sends out workers to help areas that don't have enough of their own or maybe don't have the experts that they need. Okay. In certain building agriculture, building up infrastructure, things like that. Medical. Mm -hmm. Medical is a big part of it. Right. Teaching English. Mm -hmm. Number two is to help promote a better understanding of Americans on the part of the people served. Interesting. They want countries to have a better view of Americans and understand our way of life. Okay. Which is questionable. (laughs) And we're going to go into, Uh, there's a lot of controversy around the Peace Corps. I didn't even realize. We'll talk more about that. Okay. And then number three is to help promote a better understanding of other peoples on the part of Americans. So the thought is we send Americans in there so that they better understand and can advocate for different cultures throughout the world. The piece- this sounds like a Mormon missionary situation, yeah. to be honest. When I saw that, like the whole reason this was created was to get other countries to view America in a better light. Yeah, I don't like it that bothered statement. Me. And I don't think I realized that. Yeah. I don't think that people going into the Peace Corps maybe realize that's the mission either I think they're just going because they're like oh we're gonna go help people in need yeah but if they don't like you and they don't see you in a good light what do they do to you Mm -hmm. or what do they help do to you (laughs) I don't yeah I'm already not liking what I'm hearing okay let's keep going then okay we can dislike it even more (laughs) okay (laughs) 
The Peace Corps brings together skilled, committed volunteers with welcoming host communities for service opportunities in more than 60 countries, and that is as of today. The volunteers live and work side by side with community members on locally prioritized projects, building relationships, exchanging cultures and knowledge, and helping transform lives for generations. So that is the spiel that you would find if you went to the Peace Corps. That's what they say they're doing today. That's their mission. That's what they're bringing to the world. Okay. So if you sign up for the Peace Corps, that's what you will be doing. You have to be a college graduate. It's actually a very competitive thing to become a Peace Corps volunteer. If you have that on your resume, I'm sure it does a lot for you. And you don't you get go- paid, but I'm sure it does a lot for you. <laughs> it does. And usually I think your time is spent for two years. It's kind of like enlisting in a military in a way like you sign up and you have to fulfill those two years. Mm-hmm. And then you can extend if you want longer. And some people do this their whole lives. Yeah, they enjoy it. It is marketed mostly to young people right out of college. Kids who just went to college, I feel like are more open minded than others. And maybe they don't need as much money yet. They don't need as much money yet. They're still commitments. They're still bucket listing. So a little bit about how the Peace Corps came to be. It was actually started by a then Senator John F. Kennedy in 1960. He was at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor and he was campaigning to become president and he was speaking to 10,000 students. And while there, he just kind of was spitting out ideas. And he said, how many of you who are going to be doctors are willing to spend your days in Ghana? Wow. How many of you would be willing to work in a foreign service and spend your lives traveling around the world? And his young audience got really excited about it and said, I would love to do that. Like, I would love to come out of college and be able to go and support other areas of the world. And so he gained followers and voters, I guess. And they signed a petition saying that they would be willing to serve abroad on behalf of America if something like that were to become an option. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) So Senator Kennedy, his challenge to those students who signed that petition was that they would have to live and work in developing countries around the world. They would live as the people do there, and they would dedicate themselves to the cause of peace and development. A lot of people would say this was part of John F. Kennedy. He was a visionary. Mm-hmm. And he had something they called the Camelot syndrome. I'm just I don't kidding. remember what, exactly <laughs> what it was called. Something like that. Like he had this very rose tinted glasses way of looking at the world. He yeah. wanted to create a better, which I think if you're going to be a president, maybe you should have some of that aspirational. And that's why he was assassinated. Probably. But he had big ideas. And when he did get elected, he followed through. Yeah. It wasn't just a campaign, you know, promise. I mean, it's and- kind of an, an amazing story. It is. And so he proposed this Peace Corps of talented men and women who would dedicate themselves to the progress and peace of developing countries. I wonder how many anthropologists went. Tons. Probably. Yeah. I I think it would be a lot of anthropology, sociology students that go into this kind of work, social work. So if I wasn't so selfish, (laughs) I might have gone, but then I got (laughs) pregnant. (laughs) That's why, yeah, I got pregnant in college. So it's never going to happen for me. I did have a friend that I went to high school with that went into Peace Corps, and she had great things to say about it. I just didn't see where my specialty was going to fit in there. I mean, it could have. Yeah. I would love to do so much for other countries, really. A lot of people go abroad to teach English because it's a way to travel as well. Yeah. And I just wanted to make sure that anything that I did was very specific to what I know my strengths are. Right. Well, I would say if you just want to travel, that Peace Corps is probably not the right because you're going to end up in some pretty undeveloped places and you're going 
going to live like the locals. They're not going to put you in a hotel. Exactly. They're going to put you in a shack with no plumbing if that's what is common for the area. So just a few days after John F. Kennedy took office, he asked his brother-in-law, Sergeant Shriver, to direct a Peace Corps task force and start putting this organization together. Wow. I didn't write a lot about him, but I did read about him. He sounded like he was religious and had been doing like mission work on behalf of the Catholic Church already. So it was like a natural fit for him. Yeah, like I said, it fits a lot of missions. Mm -hmm. Makes sense that there's some kind of collaboration there or just someone who can put together what it looks like to actually be sending these college students (laughs) to (laughs) other countries. You know, I grew up in the church and we did mission groups a lot of times. It went to Mexico, mostly, I think. They would go and build. I always had a hard time with it because they would go there and build them a church. Oh, well, (laughs) that's the same thing. You know, with the Mormon church, what I do think is really awesome for the people who go on missions... They learn another language. And they get to see other ways of life and they like do. how fortunate they, they are. They do get to live in other cultures. They live very mm-hmm. modestly, you know, but they have what they need. And it does change your viewpoint. One of the guys I went to church with went to Bolivia after he graduated from medical school and he never came back. Wow. He went over there yeah. as like Doctors Without Borders kind of thing. Right. That would pay for his medical school. And him and his wife never came back because they loved it so much because they realized the simple way of life, the things we talk about on this podcast a lot. You don't need all the stuff that we have in America. No to be happy and actually maybe it's a hindrance to our happiness. I would say so. So yeah, it is very similar to what churches were already doing, but now this was established by an executive order on March 1st of 1961 and the government would fund it and it wouldn't be connected to any kind of religion. This was going to be completely secular and we would just be going over and giving American volunteers with certain expertise to countries that asked for it. This was not something we forced on any country. They actually put it out there and they said, hey, we're going to do this. Who would be interested in having American workers come over basically for free to support certain projects in your countries? Interestingly enough, while I was reading about this, (laughs) the whole reason that JFK even had this idea is because the Soviet Union was already doing this throughout the world. Okay, so it wasn't his idea. So it wasn't completely altruistic. It was Okay. also part of like the Cold War and us competing with the Soviet Union and JFK is like we can do this if, if they're doing this to help support the world we should do it as well yeah of course the Soviet Union was wanting to spread communism and so then JFK was like well instead of spreading communism we need to be spreading democracy Americanism. yeah <laughs> So you have the two big world powers deciding that they need to bring their brand of life to other countries. In a way, you could see that as what we'll talk about later as white saviorism, Mm, which is a problem because the countries that we ended up going to were mostly in Africa. So once this was established, the first countries that reached out and said, yeah, we're interested were India, Ghana and Burma. Okay. And then the one where we sent the first group of American college students to was in Tanzania and Ghana. So this started in March and they already had the first group of volunteers headed out by August. So they moved really quickly. Wow. Yeah, that's quick. The Peace Corps was approved by Congress as a permanent federal agency, and they were given a budget. To participate in the Peace Corps program, countries must meet certain requirements. They must invite the Peace Corps. Kneel down. (laughs) And say thank you and kiss our feet. The Peace Corps decides which countries it can be active in just based on what they can afford. I think that's why they ended up in Tanzania and Ghana to begin with. And then they also would prioritize by what the needs were. I don't know who was deciding. I guess the panel who started the Peace Corps would decide who needed the most help. 
help. And then they also needed to be guaranteed by the country's leadership that their volunteers that they send would be safe. Okay. So we're not going to send. That's important. (laughs) Yeah. We're not going to send our volunteers over to countries that are war torn or don't have a decent government in place that can guarantee protection of our citizens. Yeah. They did set that up. I don't know how they would prove that those countries were stable enough or any of that. I didn't go into. Is there a clause like or provide 50 bodyguards for one person? Something you'd think. So once they decided that the requirements were met, they would send volunteers over there. So life as a Peace Corps volunteer is not easy, and volunteers face many challenges from language barriers to poor living conditions. There is no salary. Volunteers receive a monthly stipend for room, board, and a few essentials, enough to be at a level sufficient only to maintain health and basic needs. The men and women would be expected to work and live alongside the nationals of the country in which they're stationed, doing the same work, eating the same food, and talking the same language. Culturally, the volunteers would work to build trust within their communities and share their skills to solve challenges that developing communities were facing. Volunteers today work in many different fields, including education, health, nutrition, HIV and AIDS training, agriculture, business, community development, forestry, and environmental protection. Since the inception of the Peace Corps in 1961, there have been over 200,000 volunteers that have served in 139 countries. While doing that, they have learned more than 200 languages and dialects. I think that's pretty amazing because if you do go over to somewhere in Africa, there are so many different languages because Africa mm-hmm. is fucking huge and every country has their own dialect and language. And that's not something that you could easily like learn before going. So you're no. like going over there, right. trying to teach English to people who speak a language that you've probably never heard. So you have to learn first yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of crazy it's pretty amazing if you think about it like what the actual volunteers are doing we'll talk about you know what I think about the organization and where it is today in a minute but at the end of the day anybody who's volunteering for this is a great person to to take this on like it's true it's not easy Mm -mm, no way I'd like to see you sign up tomorrow I don't think I could I wasn't talking to you So now that I've talked a little bit about the Peace Corps that Kate would end up going into, I also want to talk about the country that she ended up, as I said, she was stationed in Benin, which is officially titled the Republic of Benin. It was formerly known as Dahomey. It was in West Africa. It's bordered by Togo to the west and Nigeria to the east. And the majority of its population lives on the southern coastline. It covers an area of approximately 44,000 miles. And in 2021, the population was estimated to be around 13 million. Wow, it's pretty big. It is, but it's 44, a very 44,000 sm- miles? Wow. 44,000 square miles. I don't know exactly what that means. If you look on the continent of Africa, this is not a very large country, like compared to Nigeria oh, yeah. or Congo or any of those that you see. It's just a little sliver. Okay. But 13 million people live there. Yeah. It is one of the least developed. Their economy was significantly dependent on agriculture. Their main exports were palm oil and cotton. Oh, okay. Palm oil is a very yeah, controversial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now they have a very rich history. They were actually the kingdom of Dahomey. And there was a lot about how majestic of a kingdom this was. But what happened to them and what happened to all over Africa is very sad. Yeah. They were colonized by the Portuguese. 
Portuguese and the French came over and their region was referred to as the Slave Coast from the early 17th century due to the high number of people who were sold and trafficked during the slave trade to the New World. France took over the territory in 1894 and so now today the official language of Benin is French. Okay. (laughs) Then she actually... That's why she ended up in Benin is because she was fluent in French. Okay. So So they do look at what you know. Yes. Gotcha. She went to a very small village and so even though French was the main language there, the village, most of them would speak the native language, which was a dialect that I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to try to, but they had their own language that was there and continued just like any other country that has okay. been colonized. Yeah. They kept their old traditions and ways. Well, that's good. I do wonder if that's the reason the Peace Corps is sending people in there is because they want to get them up They're to trying to get and, them to at least speak French. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So once again, there's some thoughts there. It's like, do we really need to develop them if they're that happy? Of course they want to, need to, whatever. Right. Because they want that area someday. Yeah, there's there's always nefarious reasons, unfortunately, for is. why we go into regions. And I believe I get into that later on why we would want to be in Benin. Okay. It's not for palm oil and cotton. What is it for? Is it for our phones? It's not for cobalt. Okay. But I believe is it's it oil for, or something okay. else. No, I can't remember right now, but it, it's not good. Okay. We're not in there just out of the kindness of kind, our yeah, hearts. Exactly. They're like, dude, we don't need you here. I mean, the Peace Corps people going in there have good intentions. They're I going know. over there thinking that but they're helping. They're coming to actually do something that's actually helping them. What's the point? I think Kate was there to help the women because the women were oppressed in the area. We'll talk a little bit more about the culture here in a minute. The women were pregnant and married by very young age and mm. were not very educated. There were things like that that she could work on with the women. Yeah. And that's what, you know, drove her system. to be there. If you look at the overall big picture of why America's there in the first place, it's not good. We're never anywhere for good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Took us a long time to figure that out. <laughs> right. So the literacy rate in Benin is not very high. It's only 38% overall. And if you break it down by women versus men, 50% of men and only 27% of women are literate in Benin. Okay. That was as of 2015. Only half of children in Benin were enrolled in secondary education. The reason being for this is for a long time, Benin actually did not have a free education system. So only those who had the money to pay for it. So the wealthy class was able to even go to school. Oh, wow. But things have changed in recent years. And by the time that Kate was headed there, it was around the time that government had allowed education or I guess given money for all children to go to school. Okay. So it was a big time for us to send Peace or volunteers over there because they were expanding the school throughout the country and they didn't have enough teachers. I mean, it does make sense. You want your people educated. You don't want them to be illiterate because how else are they going to participate in some parts of the economy? And then you can't grow your economy. You're not going right. to get tourism. You're not going to get... There is a purpose to having school free for children. Yes. Everybody should have the ability to learn just to be read. paid. So when this happened, we saw a big increase in those who were able to go to college and it just brought the whole country up, like you said. Right. You want your country to be educated. Exactly. One of the big things in Africa is health related issues. And the biggest problem in Benin was malaria because they are a tropical country right on the water. Mm -hmm. The one thing they had going for them, though, for Africa is HIV and AIDS is actually very low in Benin. It's only at 1% of adults. Oh, wow. That's good. Which for Africa is Mm -hmm. very, very low. Right. 
Malaria is the biggest problem in Benin when it comes to health issues. It's the leading cause of death among children younger than five years. And it's still a problem to this day. Mm. I don't think that they have like the medication that we have available to us in America. So that is something else that I'm hoping the Peace Corps is taking over there because you can take... I think it's like an antiparasitic and you take it ahead of time. So then it doesn't stop you from getting malaria. But then if you do get it, your body's able to recover quicker and you don't get the dangerous because malaria like infects your brain and causes like Mm. encephalitis. Yeah. It's really, really bad. And it's passed by mosquitoes and it's pretty scary. Fucking pesky little bitches. Yeah. (laughs) Mosquitoes, like I said, they're like the one thing that I don't feel bad about killing. I did see that there's a vaccine or a couple that have come out in the last couple of years for malaria. Oh, really? Yeah. That would be amazing if there's a way to vaccinate against it because it would help because all over Africa and I guess any of the tropical countries, malaria is a big issue. Yeah. I don't know what its success rate is. It's only been out a couple of years. The other thing interesting about Benin when I was looking at like demographics is that similar to what we talked about with Palestine, Benin is mostly a country of under 15 years old, 47% of their population. Oh, wow. As of, I think it was like 2021 are under 15. So their life expectancy is not very old. It's only like 67 because mostly of the malaria is a big component of that. And like I said, AIDS was not really the issue. So I don't know if it's also just just poor diet and health related causes from that. Violence? Is there violence in the area? There doesn't seem to be much violence. This is actually one of the more stable countries. Okay. Not really sure. I didn't see a whole lot into why, but their life expectancy is not very high. I would assume in an underdeveloped area that it's Poor nutrition. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It has more to do with the food you're eating, water, especially. As oh my always. goodness. Yes. Clean water is always an issue. And it's just a rough life. A lot of them are living in these villages and they're farming all day long. Heat. Not, yeah. yeah. Heat stroke. They lived in very modest homes. They were like little one bedroom houses with porches, no air conditioning, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's a very hot tropical climate. That was a little bit of a background on Peace Corps and Benin. So Kate was in Benin for almost two years. And while she was there, she developed a close-knit relationship with her community. Not surprising. She just had that gift of connecting with people. She particularly connected with the women and children in the town. She formed a girls club. She actually talks about this in her blog. Her very last blog entry was talking about how excited she was for the summer because she was going to be running a girls camp. She taught reproductive health. This was a problem in this region as well. There was not much support for women when it came to their reproductive rights. Many women, I won't even say women, they were really girls, got pregnant very young. And there was a large component of genital mutilation in this region, Okay, which was tied to a high Muslim population. Unfortunately, that comes with that religion sometimes. Women were oppressed by men, and Kate was trying to find a way to tactfully speak out against that. Really, the big thing she was doing was just promoting self-confidence in these girls to speak up for their rights and for themselves and their boundaries. And it's a hard thing to do. Everything I read was that Kate was very respectful of the culture that she was in. She wasn't, you know, going over there and telling them to act like an American woman because she knew that wouldn't Mm -hmm. work there. So it was really what could she do with the girls within the confines of their culture? 
while she was connecting with these young girls and they saw her as a safe place, some of them began confiding in her that they were being sexually assaulted by a fellow teacher. Oh, from the Peace Corps. Yes. It was a man named Constant Bio. He was actually a Beninese citizen, but he had been hired to work for the Peace Corps because the Peace Corps, while we do send volunteers all over the world, will also hire locals. Okay, well, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So he was getting paid a stipend, which was probably very good money for him to be a teacher on behalf of the Peace Corps. And she had a report from two of her students that he had raped them Mm, and then had forced them to do menial tasks at his house like so it wasn't even just the sexual assault he was also lording over them to do I don't know if it's like his laundry or just things that you shouldn't be asking like a 12 year old girl to do Mm, I mean you shouldn't be sexually assaulting a 12 year old girl but the culture in Benin you always have to think about this that wasn't necessarily taboo unfortunately Okay. For grown men to be with like 12 or 13 year old girls. Sometimes the families would even support it. Okay. Especially when it was a teacher because a teacher in that village was considered a good paying job. So students sleeping with the teachers wasn't uncommon. As a status thing? I guess. I don't feel like a girl really understands yeah. To give consent at that young of an age. And if it's prevalent in the area, then what can they say? And if their parents are like, yeah, I have her. That would happen. Sometimes they'd be like, oh, OK, well, now, you know, you should marry her. The other thing I saw in this region is that polygamy was practiced in some families as well. So men would have okay. multiple wives. Like, So there is a cultural component to this. And Kate understood that. But what really bothered her, it wasn't that it was just any teacher. It was a teacher that was hired by and representing the Peace Corps. Mm -hmm. And that's when she felt like she couldn't just stand by and watch it happen. If it had just been a regular teacher, I I still feel like she probably would have wanted to say something, but she would have felt like she couldn't. Because it was a within the culture and she can't overstep too much. All she can do is try and educate the girls. And she can't put herself in harm's way. Maybe she thought by bringing it up to the Peace Corps, look what you've hired. Yes. This isn't good for us. Something needs to be done. And this is kind of what happened is that she felt like because he was representing the Peace Corps, which she loved, she loved being a part of the Peace Corps. She felt like it was a good organization and she didn't want it to be tainted Mm -hmm. by this man who was known to be, it didn't sound consensual in any way. Some of the other teacher-student relationships would have been as consensual as it can be with a young child. But he he was forcing himself on these girls, multiple girls. So on February 9th of 2009, Kate sent her country director from the Peace Corps an email describing the alleged sexual assault that was happening by Constant Bio. And she explained to the Peace Corps country director that it had been going on for a while and many of the girls had come to her looking for help. Some of the girls were as young as 10. Oh, my God. Her email said, please believe me. I'm not someone who likes to create problems, but this has been weighing heavily on me. I've loved my time as a volunteer, and it's important to me that Peace Corps remain a respected organization in the eyes of our host country. This man is not someone I want representing Peace Corps to the Beninese community. She also included in her letter that she asked to be kept anonymous because she knew that this would put her in a awkward position. 
Yeah. She wouldn't be the only Peace Corps person in the area, so it wouldn't have been easily traced back to her. Okay. Well, here's the problem is that Constant Bio had a brother who worked at the National Peace Corps office in Benin. And his name his name was Jock Bio. And he was the associate director for the Peace Corps on the Benin side. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if she knew that. Maybe she did. Maybe that's why she said, please keep me anonymous. Benin's not a very large country. She probably knows that this guy is connected to the brother. But does she know that it would have gotten back to him? Well, that's why she asked to be kept anonymous. We don't know what happened. The person that she wrote to did write back to her a few days later. And then they came back and told her that they appreciated her coming to them and that Constant Bio would be informed that he would not be hired by the Peace Corps for future jobs. So they were going to leave him, though, and not dismiss him? So his contract was coming up soon. And I guess the office reached out and told him once your contract's up, we're not going to rehire you. I don't know how much they told him about the reasons why. And nobody really knows how much was told to him. A lot of people wonder and suspect that his brother may have called him because his brother probably saw the email. I'm sure it's not a very large office in Benin. So whoever she wrote to, the director probably shared it with him because he was the associate director. Right. And then he's like, oh, my God, this is my brother. And he could have just picked up the phone and been like, what are you doing? We're about to get fired. Stop raping people. Right. So he could have (laughs) called him just in a very brotherly way. Like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, you have a really good job. You don't need to be doing this to little girls. It does just make me worry about what is accepted in some places because you don't just, hey, bro, knock it off. Like, stop raping 10 year old girls. You're right. going to lose your job, not, hey, bro, oh, my God, you're out of this family. I'm yeah. going to murder you when <laughs> I see you next time. How dare you touch a 10-year-old girl? We'll talk a little bit more about both brothers here in a minute, but that's what started everything. So that happened in February, and Constant Bio was informed in early March that he would not be rehired. And then what we know is that on March 12th, 2009, that's when Kate, would be found dead in her home. Kate, in the few days before her death, had been suffering from malaria. The poor girl, like she'd been there for almost two years and never gotten sick. She got malaria and she was in pretty bad shape, but she was taking whatever medication. I think that most of them probably travel with the medication that they need. So she was, you know, not going to have the worst case. The day before she was found dead, she had texted one of her good friends and said she felt like she was coming on the other side of malaria. She was getting better and that she was planning to make some chocolate pudding, I think is what she said. Just a normal text to a friend Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's 2009 and she had her cell phone and then she was just going to bed and she had plans the next day. She had made an appointment for a girl from the village to come and braid her hair. And that's actually how she was found. So the girl's name was Angela and she was from the village and she showed up at Kate's house and she started walking up towards the porch and she noticed that Kate had a little dog and the dog started barking and she called out to Kate and nobody answered and then she saw blood running down the front porch. The steps? Yes. And so she got scared and then she called a friend of Kate's and then they brought over some neighbors. So several people came over and that's when they found Kate. Her throat had been slit. Oh, okay. The thought is, and of course then they bring in the police because it's obviously not a natural death. 
they believe that most likely she was sleeping with her earplugs in and she didn't hear anybody Mm. come up. There was no sign of struggle. Hopefully she didn't even see it coming or feel it. Yeah. That's such a scary way to go. I believe you feel it. Of course you're going to feel something. While doing the investigation, they talked to the neighbors and nobody had heard any disturbance. They didn't remember hearing the dog barking anything. So it could have been someone the dog knew. Oh, okay. Just six days after Kate's body was found, the Beninese authorities did arrest Constant Bio. They also arrested his brother, Jacques. Okay. They arrested a third man. His name was Joseph Wagu, and he was a Nigerian motorcycle parts dealer who lived in Bajude. There's no real clear evidence on why he was arrested, except for he was a known friend of Constant. So maybe they thought okay. Constant hired him. This is a hard case to research because it came out of another country, number one in Benin. And there was so much cover up that we're going to find out from the Peace Corps because Mm. they didn't want bad press that there's just not a lot of information about the actual investigation and how it came about that these three men were arrested. Yeah. And then interestingly enough, there was a fourth man arrested, not at the same time, but several weeks later, they arrested a fourth man and we don't even know his name. Okay. And the way that the justice system works in Benin, you are arrested if you are suspected to be responsible for a crime and you're put in jail automatically. Okay. And then the police have time to gather evidence to bring you to trial. I mean, that's still the same thing here. Yeah, it happens unless you're rich and you can bail yourself out. But this happens, I guess, here to a lot of lower class. Oh, yeah. All the time. There's a lot of especially people of color. Did you hear about that that young man who didn't speak English? Oh, no. He didn't speak English. He was like standing outside of a hotel. He was talking to his father on the phone and a policeman. All this kid is doing is talking on the phone. I believe he's only like 18 years old. A policeman was like, oh, he looks suspicious. Oh, my God. He goes to try and talk to this kid. This kid is trying to explain to him, I don't speak English. I don't know what you're saying. He's getting flustered. And all of a sudden, he's calling his extra buddies. And now they're attacking him, tasing (laughs) him. And because of the stress of this situation or whatever happened, one of the police officers had a heart attack and died. They have this poor teenager in jail and he is awaiting manslaughter charges for this cop having a heart attack for attacking him and he's been in jail without help for seven months that is fucked where is this gotta be the south this was in florida the kid's name is virgilio or virgilio sorry i'm not prepared right now but yeah it's really sad and someone needs to to get him. him the hell out because this is ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. You cannot die of just a heart a attack and blame it on someone else. And it sounds like a racist cop to begin with. He's like, you don't speak English. You must be up to no good. Yeah. Innocent until proven guilty, my ass. Only certain people. Yeah. And certain people are guilty and we still let them off because they yes. got money. Did you hear about the cop who was speeding and killed somebody? No. He was speeding and killed someone and he was let go. Oh, my God. Any uh, one of us, that would have been vehicular manslaughter. Right. But nope. But not he him because he's a cop. Because he's a cop. Anyway. There's a lot around this because while Constant Bio was, I mean, he seemed like a likely suspect. The fact that they arrested his brother, too. Well, yeah, because it's probably the family name. 
right? Right. Like, wow, look at what you're doing. You're embarrassing me and you're about to be fired for raping young girls. Right. So we need to squash this in the butt because it's my name, too, that you're dragging through the mud. Maybe that's what they were looking for is there was like a conspiracy. And we'll talk a little bit more about it here in a minute. But I do want to talk about what happened after Kate Pusey's body was found and how they handled it with her parents. Oh, no. So Peace Corps headquarters, they called Lois and Harry and they just informed them that Kate had died, but they refused to give details. Like they didn't even understand that their daughter had been murdered. Oh my God. They just kind of got a call from the Peace Corps that said, oh, unfortunately your daughter has passed away. Right from the start, it seemed like they didn't want anybody to know. And so Lois and Harry were actually forced to piece together what happened to their daughter by reading her emails they actually found out that she had sent the email because they were able to get into her account and then they started talking with other volunteers that knew Kate they didn't even know that she had turned in anybody I I think because she probably didn't want to worry her mom and dad that she was doing this scary thing rape you're trying to protect these young they probably would have said don't do it don't meddle in this Mm -hmm. so as soon as they started seeing the emails they kind of pieced it together and then they talked to other volunteers and they were like oh no this is what happened she was found on the front porch and and the peace corps wasn't revealing these details to the parents which i think is pretty fucked up it is murdered versus just dying of say it's a malaria or right. something like that she passed away in her sleep she was sick versus someone coming into her space right and taking her life and so the Poozies were pushing for more information they wanted to know what was happening with the arrests of the the three men at the time that eventually became fourth and they said the peace corps actually just stopped communicating with them Sometimes I wish you guys could see our eyeballs and the faces <laughs> right. that we just make at each other because it's really hard to put everything that you think and how you're emoting things into words. It's, I just gave her a really like dirty look. It's so messed up. You have your 24-year-old daughter. In another country. And her mom had just been there the summer before. Like she had done this whole trip with her mom and her mom had come to her village and seen where she lived. Uh-huh. And, and she was coming home in four months. So it reminds me similar of Julie Buskin. It's right. Like, Their daughter had been gone. They had missed her all this time. And she was going to be coming back to the states where they felt like, you know, she would be safer. And then this horrible thing happens and they're not getting any information from the Peace Corps. They mess with the wrong people because Lois and Harry were not going to sit back. Uh, Yes. (laughs) These are well-traveled, cultured people. They're not going to roll over with their daughter being murdered. So they took it to Congress. Wow. And in an affidavit sent to Congress, Lois Pusey wrote, after so much heavy grieving and feeling betrayed, we finally decided to stop being victimized, hoping in vain for support from the Peace Corps. As a family, we developed an action plan to discover what really happened to Kate and assure that justice was done on her behalf. We will talk more about the advocacy that her family will undergo here in a minute. They were not going to let this pass quietly as the Peace Corps was hoping. Of course not. You can get no peace, Peace Corps. No, not when a little 24-year-old girl is murdered. Especially not this town was not an area where violent crime would happen. Probably, honestly, safer than some parts of the U.S. And if she didn't fight back, then this was a premeditated, decided killing. And that's just what it is. This wasn't just, you know, some maniac in the village that came through and slit her throat. This was obviously a targeted attack. 
Mm-hmm. So the problem was the police had no actual evidence. There were no fingerprints. I don't know exactly what their investigative capabilities looked like, but they had nothing to bring these men to trial. But they were in jail anyways while they continued to try and find evidence and gather something to put together for a trial. So Constant was in jail Nobody seemed to really care that much that he was in jail for whatever reason. But Jacques was the one that everybody started speaking out for. Hmm. And this was coming from other Peace Corps volunteers that had worked with him. Jacques Bio had spent close to 20 years as a Peace Corps employee. And he was the associate director there in Benin. He was dedicated to training and supporting all of the volunteers that came into Benin. And they all actually put out a petition on his behalf to the president of Benin saying, please let him out of prison. There's no evidence that he committed this crime. He was considered a pillar of his community. He had an impeccable record and reputation. He was highly respected among the Peace Corps volunteers and the staff. And they said that he cared deeply for each volunteer. And they just didn't think that he would have been a part of a plot to kill a Peace Corps volunteer. Doesn't sound like it if you put it in those words. Right. And so they did do a petition on this. And they also said, you know, the day the crime was committed, Jacques was at work. He was in the Peace Corps headquarters that was 300 miles away. But was he, as we mentioned, part of a plot? We don't know. And those are things that are not honestly published out there. There's really not a lot about what the police were able to find. But I know they didn't have enough to bring these men to trial. You have to consider it because the fact that his brother is who she was writing in about. It's a small office and his brother works in this office, you have to connect the two. You can't disregard it. And you wonder, did he get this job because his brother was the associate director of Peace Corps? I'm probably, guessing probably he's a lot probably of it. a fuck up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, get your life together. I'm going to give you this job. And then right. instead and then he, of doing a good job, he's abusing his position and he's raping girls and using them. And, and we've seen movies like this where someone who is highly respectable, they are looked at in a highlight, just like how they described him, have to take matters into their own hands because a dumbass family member can't keep their shit together and they have to do the dirty work. It's very possible. And I think that's probably why the police arrested him. Yeah. Maybe there was a phone call. Maybe there was something. I feel like there had to have been something that they saw. Yeah. Maybe he called his brother. Maybe he texted his brother. Something happened. And then she ended up dead. And they're like, well, Yeah. I'm just wondering if Jacques and Constant, they weren't the ones who did the dirty work. They hired these other two guys, the Nigerian motorcycle parts dealer. And they spilled the beans and stuff. Something. I don't know exactly all of it. And I wish I had more. I dug as much as I possibly could. And even the other podcast I listened to, same thing. It's just it's locked down because it's another country and they don't want their dirty laundry out there. I mean, what I can say is I'm happy this country actually arrested them. It sounds like it wasn't swept under the rug. It sounds like the Peace Corps is not helping people understand what's going on. But it sounds like the country itself is trying to take care of it. Yeah. Benin was like, we're going to bring these people to justice. They probably loved her. Yeah, she was beloved by the community. I saw many, I didn't put it in here, but there were many people who came forward and talked about how much they loved her. She Mm -hmm. had been there for almost two years. It was a small, tight-knit community. All the girls and the women probably looked up to her and loved her for what she was trying to do. So at least the community does want justice and maybe there will be answers someday. I don't know. Well, we're going to 
go into what happened. Well, you just told me that they let him go. So these men were arrested in March of 2009 and they sat in jail while they tried to gather this evidence together. And in March of 2011, so these guys have been in jail for two years. Wow. Okay. The FBI was involved. They were working with the Beninese judge and the prosecutors, and they determined that there was just not enough evidence to take the case to trial. Now, according to Beninese and international law, because they did not have the evidence to take them to trial, the men should have been released from prison at that time, but they didn't let them go. Okay. And that's when the petition started for Jacques. Okay. From all so of he had the, already been there for two years. Yeah. Okay. And they would actually end up, all four of them, staying in jail for eight years. Stephen didn't even get that. There is some justice. There is some, but we That's don't know which people, one. And we don't know if it's them at all. We don't know if it's justice or not. Right. Eight years is a really long time. Yes. If you did nothing. Now, something that I just want to bring up is that it's well known the way that the Beninese judiciary system works is that they don't get cases to trial very often, but people sit in jail for a long time. Ooh, it's kind of scary. It's kind of a human rights violation. Yeah. When you start going into it, they said in 2014, 75% of the detainees that were incarcerated in Benin were being held without a trial. Many were there for years on end. So we go into a whole nother section because, you know, you and I always want to see people. Yeah, I was like the guy that's raping girls. Cool. Like constant probably was involved, but maybe not. It doesn't matter. He's raping little girls. You're right. At least he's off the streets. It's kind of scary when you look at this. 75% of the people sitting in prison in Benin in 2014 had not even had a trial. It sounds like Israel right now. Yeah, you're right. Israel has all of the Palestinian. And then you think about, as you bring up Israel, that half this country or almost half of it is under 15. It does make me wonder if there's young kids sitting in jail here, too. I had a love for them a second ago, and now I'm kind of mad. Yeah. So there's a senator from Georgia. His name is Johnny Isaacson, and he made it his personal mission to seek justice on behalf of the Pusey family. He had attended Kate's funeral, and he would spend the next seven years pushing the Benin authorities to put her accused killers on trial. So he made personal trips to Benin. He was trying to find out what he could do to help escalate the trial. He had Secretary of State at the time was Hillary Clinton involved. She sent a letter. He visited the Minister of Justice. But the Benin authorities, as I think happens in a lot of, I mean, it happens here in America just between different jurisdictions. I can't imagine trying to push another country Yeah, to do things. I mean, what's the purpose of keeping them in jail without a trial? I don't really know. I mean, what are they gaining off of that? It's not like it's two conflicting groups of people, like two countries arresting people like I mentioned with Israel it's right. their own people so what's the purpose of keeping them in jail this long and just never providing a trial do they just actually not know how to progress in a court system I think maybe that's it or and we know how to arrest people but we don't actually know how to do the lawyer thing I think that's it the judiciary <laughs> we just side learned of it. yesterday <laughs> so Isaacson noted When he traveled to Benin, he said their legal system was rooted in the ancient Napoleonic system. So if you were arrested for a criminal charge, they were actually bench trials. There's no jury. And I think they were just backlogged. Okay. With trials, it doesn't sound like they had a very strong system. And doesn't sound like it if they had 75% of people sitting there waiting for a trial. So maybe it was just bureaucratic. 
Yeah, I stuff. think I think then we need to send over some lawyers. We're not saying do the American system, but just to help them create some right processes to move forward and be able to get through this backlog because you can't keep human beings locked up like that. And so these four men finally, in February of 2017, got their trial. They'd been sitting in jail at that point for almost eight years because That's they were crazy. arrested in March of 2009. So yeah, and then they got to the trial and they didn't really have a strong case against them. The trial only lasted two days and all four men were acquitted. Eight years for two days with no evidence. This is a hard one because it's like Kate died and she deserves justice for her killer. But then they arrested just four men that they think were connected and kept them in prison for eight years. Get them to trial and they couldn't prove they had nothing. The only thing that I could wish for in this situation is that all four were involved. And at least eight years. (laughs) (laughs) They all served eight years. So she had the justice of 32 years consecutively or whatever you want to call it. Right. Because the universe knew there wasn't a way to convict them. They were kept there for eight years each. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking hoping, at the bright yeah. side of life I right agree. now. I agree. Because they, yeah. otherwise it's a really poor system and something does need to be done about that because that's really unfortunate if you're just a normal citizen who maybe like, I don't know, stole an apple and they just decide to take you in and they forgot while you're there. Because maybe that's a lot of this is they don't even know why you're sitting in jail. They're just like, oh, you got lost. And who knows what their systems are like? If they're it's like, all we like lost your folders. Yeah, <laughs> we lost your paperwork. <laughs> we, You might have killed someone. So we're going to keep you anyway. They did get out of prison. And I could not find anything where the men spoke out if they said anything about their innocence or we don't really know. Okay. We know that the family, so Lois and Harry, flew over to Benin along with the senator that was supporting them from Georgia. They were present at the trial. Okay. And when the four men were acquitted, the family, they were conflicted, like for the reasons we just talked about. There wasn't enough evidence to say these men definitively killed their daughter, but there's a chance that they did. And if they did, then they just got out of prison. Right. So there's not a happy ending to this story. No, there's not. Unfortunately. And it's still considered unsolved to this day because we don't know no. if these yeah. men did it. Now, the other kind of fucked up thing that happened is on the day that these four men were released, the Peace Corps decided to send out a statement about Kate and they put this on their website and it said, along with her family and friends, we continue to mourn the loss of Kate and we offer them our deepest sympathies during this difficult time. Today and every day we honor Kate, whose memory is never far from our minds as we continue to build a stronger, more effective Peace Corps. We remain steadfast in our commitment to a Peace Corps that is worthy of Kate's legacy. The Peace Corps and the Peace Corps Office of Inspector General appreciate the support of the State Department, Justice Department, FBI, and the government of Benin. And that would be the last thing that the Peace Corps would ever say about Kate Pusey. And they never called her parents. Like they were just very cold from everything that I read. It was like they were more worried about how they looked and how they were perceived. And at the end of the day, I think that they knew that they were responsible for her death. Yeah. And they didn't want that to be on their hands. And that's why they didn't want to talk to the family. If you think about it from like a legal standpoint, probably their lawyers were like, don't ever admit guilt. Don't admit that. Oh, of course. You know, this email got in the wrong hands because that's the assumption is that the email that she sent got to Jacques. Jacques called Constant and told 
constant that Kate was the one who ratted him out. That's the only way that it would have yeah, made sense. I, it could have been any mixture of these guys. That's kind of what I'm thinking is whether it was Jacques doing personally by his own hands, whether he told Constant, Constant told someone else, whether Constant did it and these other two guys are just bystanders. It seems unlikely that someone outside of this situation, considering the proximity of when it happened, mm-hmm. would be involved. Hopefully, out of these four guys, one of them, if not more of them, served actual justified time. It seems likely. I, some One of them did it. Either way, two are involved. Yes. Because how did one or the other find out? If it's about this email. Otherwise, right. we're assuming it has nothing to do with this email and it was random otherwise. No, we don't think that. So, at least two are involved. I do feel like if Jacques didn't specifically order his brother to go and kill... Kate like if he just called and said hey you're a fuck up brother stop fucking raping kids you sick motherfucker and then Kate ended up dead and he got put in jail I think that sucks for Jacques according to all the people who vouched on his behalf he was a good guy right so if he was just caught up in it and he spent eight years in jail oh yeah we can that would suck but the only person we can't spend this as one or the either for is constant because he's raping young girls he deserved more than eight years and now he's back out on the streets that's right so watch out do you have a picture i do have pictures i don't know if i have pictures of actual constant or jacques well that's what i needed so we could tell people who constant is (laughs) he at least committed some crimes I said this doesn't have a happy ending, but I do want to talk about the fact that her family was not going to sit back. And so they created a project called Kate's Voice, and it was designed to raise awareness about Kate's murder and force the Peace Corps to make reforms. They did not want this happening to someone else's child. Yeah. They were advocating for whistleblower protections for volunteers. So if they see something going on in the community, they know that they can safely report it and there wouldn't be any... Yeah, that needs to be everywhere. Yes, it needs to be a part of the core values of the Peace Corps. Like you're saying you're doing all of this and then you're not protecting your own volunteers, which is exactly what happened because they found out that there had been other reports and then the Peace Corps would retaliate back, sometimes firing those volunteers, moving them to different places that they didn't want to be. And so they had not fostered this environment that it was safe to say anything against the Peace Corps. They were just supposed to suck it up. If anything, if someone is a whistleblower, I know that's not necessarily the correct term all the time, but if they knew that they were safe and going to someone above them to say, hey, this is going on, more people would be a part of it. Yes. Rather than the other way around. If they know you're going to cover up someone's murder of all things. They're not going to come forward. Which we know happens in our governments. Right. There's so much cover up there just for everyday citizens who join. And we see that now thanks to TikTok and places like that. People trying to come forward. But if you're going to cover it up, then people are going to be like, well, hell no. That's scary. I'm not going to. I'm not going to support. I'm not going to join or support this. This is ridiculous. While they started this Kate's Voice project, they started getting calls from other volunteers who had been out in the field with the Peace Corps. And they started hearing so many stories, and I didn't include all of them. There are so many sad, sad stories about volunteers that had seen things like Kate had or had been attacked themselves, either sexually or physically. Okay. 
And it was predominantly when they looked at the statistics, more women than men, which makes sense. And Mm -hmm. it put into question the whole idea of sending these young 20 something girls specifically into areas of the world where cultural norms, like we just talked about with the teachers and the young girls are accepted. Do we want to put our American citizen females into those situations, especially if the Peace Corps was not going to support them? And they started hearing many stories about these girls that had reported things to their offices in the countries and it was swept under the rug or they were asked to leave or they were moved to different places, but never anything resolved or came out against the people who had assaulted them. The girls that were moved, they would be in places that they wanted to be in and they would be moved to less desirable locations. So it was retaliation. It was because... They built friendships there. They had probably made it their home. Right. And they have to leave because they were assaulted. Exactly. That's fucked up. And the person assaulting them gets nothing. They get to stay there and wait for the next volunteer to come in so that they can assault that person too. Yeah. So Lois Pusey was not having it. And she advocated and put together and got in front of Congress. Go mama. She's a badass. And so is Harry too. Yeah. Always liked Harry's. Have we ever talked about a bad Harry yet? I don't think so. I don't think so. So they were able to advocate and they showed up in front of Congress and there's all the drafts from that I read, but they testified and they brought in several of these girls who had been part of the other sexual assaults and they brought in male volunteers who had witnessed it and just talked about the culture that was part of the Peace Corps, which was you're afraid to say anything and they would cover it up and they felt like things were not kept confidential. That was the main thing in Kate's case is that she specifically knew that it was going to be a problem if her name was attached to it and asked for that confidentiality which they did not follow which Mm -hmm. then resulted in her murder right so all of that came to light in this congressional hearing the members of congress drafted the kate Pusey volunteer protection act of 2011 and what this required was that the peace corps would provide comprehensive sexual assault risk reduction and response training to volunteers they would develop and implement a comprehensive sexual assault policy and they would establish an office of victim advocacy and a sexual assault advisory council the idea of it was that there would be the separate council the victim advocates that all of the peace corps volunteers would have access to mm-hmm. i think about this kind of even in the corporate world there's supposed to be this anonymous oh, yeah. tip line you can call in and report sexual harassment and really it's your boss but unfortunately things never work out the way that yeah. they think it will and and i'm not going to have a happy ending to this story either but they did <sighs> hire a woman named kelly green and she seems like a really competent amazing woman and she wanted to come in and change things for women. She wanted the volunteers that were joining the Peace Corps to know that they were safe and that she would be there to help them in situations where they didn't feel safe. But Kelly Green had resistance right away. She said when she came into the Peace Corps, the director at the time, while saying in front of Congress how, yes, they couldn't wait to enact this, did not give her the support. And when she started getting reports in from volunteers, they would pressure her to share names and everything that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, they're the not- whole reason they existed. Right. 
the directors wanted to know this information and they were saying, well, we can't make changes if we don't understand what exactly is going on and who is being harassed. It became very toxic. So the Kate Pusey Act was supposed to make things easier and it actually didn't because they did not like this whole restricted reporting and they were saying that they needed to understand who the actual people were that were filing the complaints because some of their behaviors may be the reason that they were sexually assaulted. So we're going into victim blaming. Okay. Kelly Green was getting very frustrated. She wanted to advocate for the volunteers and she wanted to change the way that things were done at the Peace Corps, but she was not allowed to. So I have one story that I did want to share, and this was from Danae Smith, and she was serving with the Peace Corps in Dominican Republic. And the way that she was set up in the small village, she had like a 10 minute walk on a very isolated road to get from her house to the school where she was teaching. Okay. There was one incident where she took a ride home with another Peace Corps volunteer He offered to drive her home because it was so far away and she accepted. She didn't know him very well, but it was her only option. And while he was driving her home, he inappropriately touched her between her legs. She Mm. said she was fortunate it didn't go much further than that but it was concerning. And then just a week or two after that, she was physically attacked by two strangers on that road while she was walking home. Mm. And so she reached out to Kelly Green and the advocacy group and said, I don't feel safe here and I would like a site change. And so Kelly started advocating on her behalf to get her out of the Dominican Republic into somewhere else. And she was trying to do that with an anonymous information because which they should be allowed to do, right? They should be able to. And Danae, you know, she's in the area. She understands the culture there in the Dominican Republic. And the, the man that had attacked her in the drive home was connected kind of the same situation as Kate Mm. and she didn't want to cause trouble and she just wanted to get out of there and move on with her life and so Kelly was trying to advocate for her and she kept getting pushed back from the Peace Corps management in Dominican Republic and they basically denied Danae being moved to a new site unless they could see every detail so the things she wanted to be kept confidential had to be released or they were like holding her hostage right. in a way. It's, it's like bribery. They're like, no, I need to know every single detail. We need to know who's doing this. And they rejected her ability to move. So she felt stuck there and she couldn't get the help that she needed. And she felt unsafe. Yeah. I volunteered fuckers. Right. <laughs> like, and I don't a get young- this <laughs> point. Like you're putting people who are volunteering their time, their life to you. And you think you own them in some way. Right. I don't understand. So she was not able to give a new site. And then she got called into the director's office of the Dominican Republic. And she was told that she was being removed from the program altogether and that she was just going to go home. And they said, we're sending you home because we don't think that you're capable of taking care of yourself. Not capable of taking. They basically wrote her a letter that said this was her like, I guess, termination letter. She said the Peace Corps has determined that it's not safe for you to return to your current site. And because of a number of factors, including challenges you have had in into the site and maintaining your own well-being we have questions about your commitment to complying with the peace corps policies and we do not have another appropriate site available to send you to and so she was just let go from the program berating with peace corps policies is it in your policies to be attacked and raped exactly and this was just one story i read 
many other stories. And it got to the point where Kelly Green, who had been hired to be this victim advocate, she ended up leaving the Peace Corps because she said she couldn't make the reform that was needed. And she was feeling like she was in this helpless position because there were so many reports coming in and the Peace Corps was not doing anything to help these women. And instead, they would just shuffle them off, take them out of the program altogether. Wow. By 2015, this is after Kelly Green left, it was reported that one in five of the volunteers around the globe were reporting being sexually assaulted during their service with the Peace Corps. One in five. One in five. There had been 1,600 incidents of sexual assault between 1990 and 2009. In addition, over a dozen came forward and said that they were placed in dangerous situations and then they suffered even more trauma after being sexually assaulted when the agency would not respond to their assaults and they were told that they were part of the problem. In fact, they were told that they put themselves into harm's way by walking alone, wearing certain items that didn't fit with the culture. The typical victim blaming that yeah. we hear in sexual assault cases. Mm-hmm. And then also we go back to why are sexual assaults not reported? Because of this. This. And this is they the fucking no Peace help. Corps. So sexual assault wasn't the only issue that was plaguing the Peace Corps. There was two other big issues that happened that I wanted to bring up. So volunteer Nick Castle died while serving in China in 2013 after receiving substandard medical care. He was stationed in the city of Chengdu and he had been reaching out to his Peace Corps director and asking for help because he had started losing weight. Like a Mm. lot of weight. He kept getting ill and they, I don't know. He went to the doctor that the Peace Corps sent him to and he fell very, very ill. And the doctor delayed calling an ambulance and he went into cardiac arrest almost. Uh. And then they finally did call an ambulance and then the ambulance got lost on the way to get him. And it was just a whole fucked Uh. up situation. And he ended up passing away. He was Mm. very young. He was only in his 20s. So that led to another reform that they put out there against the Peace Corps and it was signed into action by President Donald Trump on October of 2018, expanding oversight of medical staff and healthcare coverage for volunteers, making sure that whatever area they send them to that there's adequate medical care. This was something that was found to be when they investigated his specific case. It was a preventable. Oh, I don't have all the medical details, but apparently it was something that should have been caught if he had been sent to a real hospital or doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And instead it just got worse and worse and he ended up passing away. So that was put into place. So it's like, okay, if you don't get assaulted, you might die because of substandard medical care Mm -hmm. because the Peace Corps is not on top of it. And you're going to these places that there's going to be more things potentially. People die every day in. Because it's dangerous to live in. Then there was another incident. This one kind of pisses me off. It was in Tanzania. And there was a employee. It wasn't a volunteer. It was an employee that worked in one of the offices. He was an American citizen. And he was blitzed out of his mind and had gone out drinking and got a sex worker. And on his way home, he was drunk driving and hit a mother of three and killed her. And instead of letting Tanzania handle it, the Peace Corps, within hours of the incident, they rushed him onto a plane and got him out of Tanzania and back to the U.S. Oh, so it's opposite. 
situation. Right. So they were covering up because this was an actual employee that was higher up and he was out doing, I think, more than just drinking. Maybe even drugs were involved. And mm. he had a sex worker and it would have looked bad to the Peace Corps. So they're like, get him out of there. And they covered up and the guy never had charges pressed against him for killing a woman that had three children at home. Wow. So that's pretty fucked up. He was suspended from his job, but he remained on the payroll for more than a year. What? And suspended After the and incident. getting paid for a year? That's and a dream, is it not? Well, let me tell you what else. He collected $258,000 over that year. So he must have been really high up. What he was, was getting he paid doing? very well. Wow. I'd love to have a job that's like, I don't know if I like you. I'm going to suspend you, but I'll pay you for a year. <laughs> I'm like, please Maybe you me. can come back. So because of these scandals that have happened in the last few years and the sexual assault charges that are out there, there have been petitions against the Peace Corps. There's critics around the globe. And we haven't even gone into the other part of it that we kind of mentioned earlier that many people want to disband the agency altogether because it promotes white saviorism and American exceptionalism. Because Mm -hmm. remember, the whole reason the Peace Corps was put together was to go out there and educate the world on American way of life and Americans are great and try and get them to buy into our culture. Mm -hmm. So there's a change.org petition and they are asking for the government to ramp down the Peace Corps operations by 2040. So ramp down or reorganize. See, that's what I... Because, you know, I'm sure that there are some people who help. If we completely take away teachers in some areas and doctors, and there has to be some good coming out of this. So to completely dismantle it and not reorganize or replace with something else that maybe isn't exactly, or that doesn't maybe have the same problems, you can start from scratch and be okay. I think what else is happening, and this is coming out in this change.org petition, is that they maintain that the Peace Corps now exists just to sustain itself. So the Peace Corps actually was pulled out. I don't think I mentioned this earlier. It's not run by the government anymore. It became its own personal nonprofit. And so now you have a lot of people connected to it, making money off of it because it became a Uh. business. And so a lot of them are saying because it's not a government agency anymore, it's subject to all of this corruption, which we're seeing is happening now. And there's a lot of people who are benefiting from it financially. Mm. Whenever capitalism gets involved in something, which I know it's a nonprofit, but there's a lot of stories out there about how nonprofits abuse things. Why are they going to be that? Churches are nonprofit. (laughs) Oh, my God. I could do a whole episode of that. can Can we talk about that? So, yeah, there's money. Yeah, they're not going to be invested in the safety of their (laughs) volunteers if it means saving money. Yeah. One of the critics out there said if the Peace Corps was genuinely interested in international development, it would have worked itself out of existence by now because the whole point was to empower locals to do the work rather than U.S. volunteers. Makes sense. I think that's a very valid point. Mm hmm. We started in 1961, which was a time when a lot of these countries probably needed the help. But at this point, do we still need to be there? Improvement. And yeah, in places that wanted us to help them, there should be improvement. You leave them in the position to sustain something you've taught them or given them themselves. Two years isn't a very long time to set an entire process in place, especially if they have to go there and learn first. Each volunteer is there for two years, but they have an established group of people coming through. So while she was there in Benin in 2009, there's still volunteers going all the time. I think it's very similar to what we do with the U.S. military, where we go in Mm -hmm. purportedly to help. 
yeah. and strengthen their own defenses, help the people who are being oppressed, whatever we say we're going to do. Yeah. And then instead we, we harm always. them. Some of that's happening with the Peace Corps now. Yeah. It was started with the best of intentions. It is not where it was back in the 60s and something needs to change. And there's actually a union that was formed by Peace Corps employees and they're advocating for reforms as well. Okay. Maybe something can change, but things are not going well. No. If you're thinking of going into the Peace Corps and I just ruined your like sorry. idea, sorry, but it doesn't seem like a safe place and the Kate Pusey Act is not being followed. Mm. So I feel bad yep. for that because her family worked really hard to get that out there. These women and everyone else who's trying to report things, they're not being heard. They're not being helped. They're not safe. Yes, you're going to another country where things can happen. They're aware of that when they join the Peace Corps. Right. But when it's happening by people who work with you. And you're told you're the problem. Or you're asking to be removed because you have been attacked and raped and you're not being allowed to. Instead, you're losing your job altogether. That's not okay. There is a whole website out there. I'll put it in the show notes that has stories from people who worked in the Peace Corps and their negative experiences. If you go to the Peace Corps website, you can see all of the positive experiences because a lot of people have positive things. Yeah, too. that's I what mean, I'm saying. There's there's good things being done. No matter what the leadership looks like, the volunteers out there are connecting with people from all over the world mm -hmm. and forming relationships and helping. But something has been tainted with this organization and it really needs to be looked at. Oh, absolutely. That's why I'm like, when you say dismantled, it kind of feels heavy to do that because I know that there's probably a bunch of people doing a lot of good work. I do think that maybe they should change their mission. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Americanism. It's kind of like merging companies, firing absolutely everybody and starting from scratch. But then right. that never fixes everything. So maybe eventually Peace Corps is gone, but something else better replaces it. Right. Maybe something that's organized by people who did this for a very long time. And there's a lot of other organizations that are out there helping that can maybe take over for yeah. the Peace Corps. Yeah. I don't know. Fill in the gaps. I am not going to speak like I'm an expert because I'm, I'm not. not. It is just... An interesting case to bring up. And I don't think Kate Pusey has talked about enough. The poor girl, you know, was out there doing great things in the world. And her life was cut short because yeah. she was trying to help these young girls that she had developed these relationships with. Right. And, and those poor girls, like what message did that send to right. them? Right. Exactly. Yes, you can be raped. We're not going to do anything about it. I don't know. Their perpetrator did go to jail for eight years. Yeah, that's true. But the person that they went to for help was murdered because they said something to her. Yeah. So they've got some trauma from that, I'm exactly. sure. Exactly. So that's my case for today. Kate Pusey, it is still considered unsolved, although I think we probably know that Constant Bio was definitely involved. Somehow, some way. He was mm -hmm. at least one of the reasons it happened. He got eight years. Yeah. If you look at it that way, I hope the prison was not very nice for him for eight years. No matter what, this reminds us that human rights, women's rights, like it's a constant struggle, no matter Always. where we are in the world. And women do not deserve to be taken advantage of, attacked, raped, belittled, not believed, or lose jobs because they speak up. Right. If you're going to volunteer your time for a company on another side of the world or wherever you're sent to and you're literally not even getting paid. Yeah. You should be protected in every way, whether that is being protected from assaults or receiving medical attention when you need it. 
Your life should not be on the line for volunteering your time. And I assume most people joining the Peace Corps choose that because it's so well established, has been around since the 1960s. You would believe that you are safe joining that organization. And the truth of the matter is you're not. You know, they had it all pretty and shiny in the beginning when they created it. You know, we bring this podcast because we're educating ourselves and we're learning things. And we thought we were going to bring this fun podcast. And I swear, every time we research a case, we find out something else (laughs) that just it's kind of a downer. I know, but but it's necessary. But knowing these things is important. So, Well, thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for our next episode. I think it's me. It's Jessica. And I teased a little. Something a little more spiritual. Hope- yes, hopefully. <laughs> but who knows? Unless we I can always it. change our minds, <laughs> as I have done many times. You know where to find us. We are on all the social media, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. Please go and leave five-star ratings or reviews wherever you can. That really does help us. And please send your lab reports to lucidlabpodcast at gmail.com or mail to... P.O. Box 251 East Lake, Colorado 80614. And we love you. And in the meantime, stay lucid. Peace out. Believe victims. Listen to women. That's literally all you have to do in life. Bye. Bye. Bye.